Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. Hey, happy Monday, March 13, 2023. I hope you all did not miss Laura um, Trump on Friday. We recorded it on Thursday. It was good. Entertaining. You learn lots and lots about uh, both herself and the Trump family, President Trump. So don't miss that. Go back and watch it on Rumble if you can. Uh, uh, she said afterwards on the host show when we got together, she said she would love to come back. So expect her, uh, her to come back with us. Uh, I hope many times. Same thing for Eric Trump. So uh, we love the Trump family so, so much. So uh, they've got lots to offer. So, so we just love, uh, you know, as, as president calls himself, he goes, you know, your favorite president. Well, he is, he is our favorite president. So I love it. So, all right. Well, listen, uh, before we bring Johnny Enlow on, uh, let's run a quick reminder for, uh, the wells for digging and gone to thank you so much in advance for your support. So let's go ahead and run that. I'm here at one of the Water Well Commissioners and it is so much joy. It has been a heavy downpour. But everyone is stuck in their seats, excited about this miracle that is happening right here in this building. Today, the joy, joy, joy is so much. to say thank you so much to everyone that has made this possible. The people right here are overjoyed and they have trusted God for this waterwell. So we thank you. Well, thank you so much for your support. Here's how you can donate. We appreciate that. If you If you've never been to Africa, it's amazing. If anyone ever questioned if God is into dancing, go to Africa, to the churches. You know, they all dance. Uh, you know, at least the ones I went to, you know, they <laughs> they dance. They put their backsides out and they just dance. And people would say, well, well that sounds like that looks like something uh, that they shouldn't do in a church. No, that's something that they should all do in a church because God created dance. Uh, and so they really go for it. So. Uh, some of that may have even been cut out, but you can see uh, just a blip of it. You can see them start to dance for joy. So um, that is totally a God thing. So hopefully you all get a chance to go one day. So, all right, time to bring in Johnny Enlo Unfiltered. So here we go. 1349 hours declaring it a riot. My message hasn't changed. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You must from now on target darkness in your society. We are almost there. The pain is for the awakening. The awakening is for your children. Well, happy Monday, Johnny. Good to see you again. I got so many questions today. You know, we. I'm just going to turn it over to you. We got the Oscars. People are asking questions about uh, deliverance. If we have time, we'll ask some of those. So. Uh, Johnny, I'm just going to turn it over to you. I'm just really looking forward to what you have. Yeah, I literally have so much that um, we'll just be led by the Holy Spirit yeah. and some by your promptings and your questions as well. But yeah, we just heard that um, 
I, I didn't watch them and I don't usually watch them. I, I suppose unless the Holy Spirit kind of steers me toward it. But the Oscars, uh, somebody just said that the winner was, or there's multiple winners, but everything, everywhere and all at once. Right. Um, which is kind of my word for the, I think the first. And you had, had you movie. not heard of that movie before you had that word? No, I had not. Wow. I, I wow. had, um, but I knew, it, I knew about it before I was on the program I had. And, and, um, and so then I was like, I feel like I want to watch it. So Elizabeth, I try to watch, but we just got a few minutes into it and be, between getting interrupted and, and just like, you know, I don't, I don't know if it has anything to do with, and I still don't even know what having watched a few minutes, it was confusing enough that I don't even know what the movie really was, but right. I got it as it relates to the Holy spirit opening up upper room, the whole earth will become an upper room, everything, everywhere and all at once. And it's what we uh, progressively are getting wow. reports and testimonies on. So that, that part is, that part is good. And yeah, you know, of course we have, um, we have the, the bank, the bank's shaking right now. And maybe at some point we can get into that a little bit. Yeah. I have a lot more of the Holy Spirit's given me just on, on, on our general narrative that we want to stay on that, you know, we are, we're emphasizing over and over the book of Daniel and that the kingdom that was seen there would fill the whole earth like a mountain fills the whole earth. And so that's what we're headed towards. And we're not needing anything else to happen first. He's not coming to die again. You know, there's nothing else. The Holy Spirit was sent. Jesus paid the price. All authority in heaven and earth is mine. Now is the, uh, the, and the prince of this age judged, he said. And so this is just part of our ongoing um, reminder of the script that we're participating and partaking, even as the economic system shakes. And I know we were had we were having a lot of um, interaction as it relates to our, our 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 program last week, Steve, and a lot of questions. Yes, um, from people. I'll just say a couple of things, and maybe I'll let you uh, go into some of the questions that you have. But we did get a lot of um, uh, questions, comments, and and I, I just want to make a couple things clear because there were people. They took said, I didn't know you do um, deliverance ministry on the side and we need it really bad. We're willing to come to your house and all that kind of stuff. And and, um, and you need to you need to do it. You know, there's people really aggressive and, and desiring to be set free, which is a wonderful thing. And but I don't I've never actually uh, announced myself as a deliverance minister. It really was all I would come with signs and wonders, the presence of the Lord healing. But in that there would always be demonic manifestations yeah. that happen. And if it was part of the Lord's storytelling of the event of the meeting or whatever, I allowed it to ha- happen. <clears throat> but if, if not, I would do like Jesus did. He basically commanded them to hush. Yeah. Leave because there's nothing worse than having a meeting where you know that the focus is the outpouring of the Holy spirit and there's hope and joy and freedom and blessing and then there's this, you know, this interruption that comes ah, uh, uh, of, of something that tries to change the whole atmosphere of the meeting. And so we didn't want that to happen. So I would I would make it very short. But in the early years, particularly and there's the years with my dad growing up, there was a lot of the learning curve on practical things having to do with 
the, the demonic that was there was smaller settings individual settings we had more time to go after him so um just for those of you uh, i don't have um, um i don't have ongoing deliverance ministry we don't do it in our house um we really feel very um we feel your pain in your heart for those yeah. of you who feel like you're um you're oppressed and need to be set free maybe there's a prayer that will come out even of, of this session if not again um, the movie or the documentary um that's being played in 2000 screens in the united states is today uh, the 13th march 13th and then i think according to how that comes out is whether they extend it or not and i understand what's the say the name of the movie of course come out in the name of jesus okay is the name of it. okay and it's 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 um greg Locke is the pastor associated with it here out of the nashville area and but he's there's a whole team with him and i have just felt like it is um it is an important um documentary something that we've overcompensated overcorrected again there's a correction that that's made is is if you're too much all about the demonic and giving attention and focusing and um we don't need that but there was the reality that everywhere jesus went that was one of the things he had to do mm-hmm. and deal with demons cast out demons and it seems like we've so much lost that practice here in the west that um it's you know we have liberal pastors who love saying there's not really the demonic and 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 the the next generation just doubts at all that there's even a dark kingdom and so it's there's something about seeing these kingdoms clash in an actual encounter and johnny you you told people i i think well tell me if this is accurate i don't think you 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 call yourself a deliverance ministry and yet, at the same time, you said you've delivered thousands of demons. So, like, that almost sounds like a deliverance ministry, or is that just everyday taking care was, of business? It was just, you know, I think I estimated I've done around 200 mission trips. Um, that was by the trips that I took teams with, that we would be in a different meeting every night, and there'd be hundreds to thousands. And, and there was just the demonic, you got to realize that, as in Jesus day, there was one man who had legion, which is thousands of demons himself. And so I have cast out masses just out of one person, but I didn't know exactly how many were there. Um, and, and I would some of the times, cause I didn't go later on, the Lord would give me kind of, we'll say increased favor, grace, anointing, where just whatever was in there, they got cleaned out immediately. Wow. Wow. And or the ones that he was surfacing, because the Lord also taught me is don't dig whatever my Holy Spirit is surfacing. It's because often through the message we're giving, there's a healing to a situation. People have moved beyond um, unforgiveness and bitterness and, and the freedom the Holy Spirit has brought now gives the demons nothing to hang on to. And so um, but if there's a deeper level, so I wouldn't go digging in those type of meetings. If I have a meeting with thousands, I'm not going to go digging for demonic manifestations where you have to go into inner healing type stuff. You know, I I didn't say it last week, but I think we've said it somewhere over the last few years on a program here somewhere is that the demonic is, they're a little bit like flies. They come to garbage. Yeah. And so, you know, if you have garbage, it, it, 
the, the starting point is getting rid of the garbage. And so the garbage is often unforgiveness. Mm. Um, it can be disappointment. It can be a curse, a generational curse. But probably bitterness and unforgiveness would be, uh, you know, one of the, the biggest deals and attractors. And so the, the flies, even if you cast them off, if you keep the garbage there, they just come back. Mm. And so Jesus had this amazing ability to cast out demons. And then he said they saw him in his right mind speaking and telling, you know, go through the whole city telling about Jesus. So Jesus, his deliverance seems to have hit, you know, the body, soul, spirit, all at once level. Wow. And and so where he, he gets rid of them, but they also seem to have encountered, um, you know, well, they encountered God's love, not like just through the express through a human. They directly experience Jesus' love, God's love. And so it healed them because that's often how the healing of the soul takes place is some encounter that allows a revelation of Jesus to go to the next step. And so then the garbage is, is done. So there's, you know, there's two components. Sometimes there's uh, just like, just think about, I don't know what, a barbecue, that there's so many flies out there. You just have to get rid of the flies even just to get to your food. Um, uh-huh. And so that's what happens is there's uh, there's a time where you have to start with um, the demons. But then there does have to be um, attention taken to what originally allowed access to those demons there and how are you going to um, how are you going to replace um, you know what was there the scripture talks about if you don't you know if you just cast out spirits and you don't clean the place and bring in something else seven times worse comes and yeah. and maybe Steve I'll tell and I know you had some questions too I'll, I'll give an illustration of a story that comes to mind right now we were in Wanaku, Peru, South America years ago. And again, I wasn't doing deliverance, but there was demons were part of it. There it was it's healing. And so there was an amazing grace for uh, for healing. And this particular day I was going, I, I was staying on late and I was um, allowing them to come up. Well, it wasn't just one at a time. I had the team with me, but one at a time would come up to me. And so a lady comes up to me. And she just has a pained look on her face. Mm. And I said, what, what's the matter? I just have pain. And, and, and mm. she looked puffy. I'll just say she looked puffy as well. Mm. And, and I said, where's the pain? She goes, everywhere. And, um, and I go, so any idea when that pain started? And she says, well, I can't forgive my husband, either, my ex-husband either. So she My goodness, did, she named it right there. It's volunteered it. The presence wow. um, came right there. And so she knew that um, that was the, the original source. And so instantly, without a whole lot of conversation, discern, uh, you know, discussion and all that, she knows there's a connection between her lack of being able to forgive her ex-husband and the pain she's presently feeling in her body. But she just right out front states, I can't. I can't forgive him. So I would have been fine with saying, well, then he's not going to forgive you. The Bible's very clear. If you don't forgive, he's not going to forgive you. But the Holy Spirit had me deal with her in a more graceful way, we'll say. And so I said, I understand that was very painful, very treasonous, wasn't it? And and I felt like I was, 
you know, like that situation needed attention from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. First of all. So I said, um, can you tell me, you know, I asked, can you tell me just something about it? And my husband, he left. There was another woman and she was my best friend and she was way younger and mm. this and that. And I, you know, it wasn't long, but I knew I had, but the Holy Spirit was saying, this is key for how she's going to get set free. Cause legally, legally, I would just like, Hey, you don't forgive. You don't get forgiven. Sorry. Move on. Yeah. Next. And so she shares it all. And I say, wow, that is so hard. And, you know, I was compassionate, felt his compassion. And, and I said, can I just ask the Holy Spirit to minister um, to that, just that, that pain and betrayal? And yes. And so I pray for her and she's crying. And, and so we're just talking about that. We're not talking about her present state of pain in her whole body or the fact that she needs to um, forgive. And so then I just said, lady, you know, I, I heard what you said. You can't forgive. It's too, too much. So, you know, he's just ministered to that situation. And now I just want to ask him to show you areas he's forgiven you. Okay. Is oh, that all right? wow. Wow. And, and so um, she says, yeah, I said, Holy Spirit, would you show her areas that you've forgiven her My over goodness. her life. That's forever. like immensely wise from the spirit, you know. It was from the spirit. Yeah. And so then she starts nodding her head and she has this whole conversation. He's being real clear with her. She, <laughs> yes, you did. She cries. Yes, you did. Wow. Yes, yes you forget. Yes. You. And she just does that for minutes. And I just wait till it's done. Then I said, do you think you could forgive your husband now your ex-husband now she was yeah wow. and i said what was his name so she tells me his name and i said just say out loud say his name say i forgive you and so she said it she just like named him and then with tears crying she just i forgive you didn't go in a whole lot of things, but, you know, she knew she, she had the power to do it now. Then she just started coughing <coughs> and she just coughing out spirits. And um, and so for about a minute, she's just coughing and coughing. Then she goes. <gasps> wow. <sighs> the pain is all gone. Oh, my goodness. So. She was set free, but that was an example how deliverance, inner healing, and all that goes together, and and how the Holy Spirit can even assist someone who, yes, they should, uh, they should forgive, but you know, it's there's there are some for, well, a lot of forgivenesses that are really tough, and though everybody should do it, sometimes God is so helpful the way he was with this lady. Is it an overstatement to say that even if you have no idea, if you have any demons whatsoever, that's a great thing to do. First rehearse what God's forgiven you and then forgive that person that you just seem to struggle with. Sounds like a good plan to me. Well, you know what, Steve, I think that that is uh that really is a great strategy is, and I, you know, I think that's the, that is a primary area of reminder for all of us that think that there's, we have some justified reason for not forgiving someone. Um, Cause uh, I'm pretty sure most can find some area that the Lord has forgiven us. Oh, if not yeah. Multiple 
And then it just puts a different perspective because that's what the Lord wow. says. You know, he forgives us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's just spiritually unjust for him to forgive everything, no matter what we've ever done. If we said, you know, if we asked him for forgiveness, he will literally forgive anything and everything. And then if we say, but no, this one, this is too big. This one's, too, you know, this really hurt me. Um, and I'm sensitive. I kinda, I, I've heard it said, I don't know who said it, but it went something like this, um, that, that a person can be so arrogant and proud to think that their sin is so big that the creator of the universe can't handle it. You know, there's, and I thought, oh, that's an interesting twist. So I, I'm pretty proud of or arrogant to think my sin is so big that the, that the creator of the world would have no idea what to do with it. <laughs> and, you know, when you put it in those words. And that is one of the ways the enemy does. Yeah, you're right. There's like no, uh, you know, we limit him based on this is just as too big. And that's why powerful testimonies are necessary, important. So when you hear about someone who comes out and says, you know, I was whatever. I was a member of the mafia. I killed people. I committed multiple adultery. I did whatever, you know, the, the worse it is, the more we mm -hmm. go like, wow. And you were forgiven. Then um, maybe I could be, maybe I could be forgiven as well. Yeah. And I think another area, you know, there's a way we allow the Lord into our hearts. And there's just a special grace that was reflected in the life of Jesus that's available to all of us. And that's where he, um, you know, it's just amazing the insult to the spirit of the Lord to if you just realize what Jesus walked through, that he comes. He is God. He's God in the flesh. He's only been exposed to that which is perfect, a perfect love, a perfect atmosphere. He's sent on the planet Earth and there is almost no one. It's not like there's a few good churches. There's like no one. You know, the people he has to choose to start from ground zero are some rough character guys you know some galilean fishermen and tax collectors and and so this is this is his good gang and then the church um the pharisees they they view him as competition the enemy and they're fighting him the whole time and then to get accused lied about brutally beaten um as you've seen in in, in the mel gibson movie years ago and and then on the cross uh, you know, just to remember the cross is was intentionally set up to be a delayed death with maximum pain. And and he's the God of the universe. And it's the most unjust thing imaginable. And it tells us he could have called 10,000 angels. <clears throat> there is no way I don't call the 10,000 angels and have them do some um, business on my behalf. But he didn't. And then he, you know, he further, he goes, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And there is always that, that example is something that's available for all of us when we consider who has harmed us and hurt us the most is we can either say, no, they knew what they were doing. I mean, I can easily look at the people Jesus said that's like, no, they knew. The chief, they, they knew exactly what they're doing. What do you mean they don't know what they're doing? And of course, he's he's right from his standpoint. Um, but there is something about about assigning less egregious 
intent to people who have hurt us. It's like yeah. they're what he's seeing is like they're lost, they're wounded. They're a first this is the first generation being exposed to anything good. And they've been deceived by this whole culture set up by the Pharisees. They don't that they're they don't have anything better in them, Father. Don't hold this against them. Yeah. You know, Johnny, I had uh, a number of years ago a, a well-known named ministry who literally tried to destroy us. Um, he's he's passed on to be at the Lord, and I'm not going to name him names, but uh, it went on for years. And they kept trying to do, I won't go into the details of how they kept trying to destroy the ministry. So I, after he had passed on, not even 100% sure he had yet, I went to counseling because I, they couldn't figure out why I was sick. So I agreed to go to counseling in case it was that, you know, uh, um, in case it was just I was sick and maybe I was sick, heart sick or something. So I went to counseling and I brought that up, that issue up. And the counselor says, well, Steve, I want you to do this. I want you and this person, I want you to see yourself both climbing a set of stairs together or side by side. And you're climbing these stairs. And there's a door at the top, and this door opens to heaven. So you're you're climbing up to heaven, and the door opens, and it's the Lord. And I said, and she said, I want I want you to tell uh, tell me what you would say, what you're saying to the Lord. And I just completely broke. And, and I said, I wasn't laughing. Trust me, the tears were right, just streaming. Right. And and I said, Lord, we just did the best we could. And I was talking about we and he and all of it. And it was like an, an, an amazing way to deal with that. And the forgiveness became complete because what I saw instead of this guy that just had it in for us for no reason is he was doing the best he could. He was doing the best he knew. It was huge. Well, that is huge. It's a great testimony. But it's important with the theme that we're talking about because literally it, the highest percentage, I, I think it's above 90% of those who are, are demonized, it will be an unforgiveness matter. And it will be something horrendous that was done to the person. Sometimes not. You know, somebody's like, uh, I was supposed to get the raise and they told on me. And so they got this, you know, for, I, I'll consider that not, um, not worth risking eternal life over the fact that you're not going to forgive somebody and wish that they go to hell instead because they told on you or, or told the lie. And so you didn't get a raise you're supposed to, but there are profound such as with Jesus rejections. And, you know, a great example, and it's better if we did like the whole story on it, but y'all know it enough that it's Joseph from the old Testament. And here he is, he is, you know, his, he is betrayed by his brothers. They lie to his dad saying he died. They actually wanted to kill him. One brother saves like, okay, let's not kill him. Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. And so they do this whole pretend thing and pretend to have blood on a garment to show his dad. And so wow. he for, for years, and that's when he's 17. And so then it's at age 30. And that's, he's been really for 13 years, he's been in some kind of slavery or another because of his brothers. It was the Ishmaelite merchants and they sold him to Potiphar. And yes, he was ruling in Potiphar's house, but it was still, he, he was the chief servant. And then of course, Potiphar's wife lies about him. And so betrayal again, he's in prison. And, um, but he does, he goes because the excellence of spirit. So that's part of, there's a whole message I'll do for a whole hour on the forgiveness of Joseph 
because people feel like they have a call to be a Joseph. And it's like, if you just miss how he could have never kept thriving because he, he, he was thriving with the Ishmaelite merchants. He was thriving in, in Potiphar's house. He was thriving in prison. And all three of them were uh, treacherous. Um, uh, you know, they came about because of treason and because of a wrong that was done to him. But he still chose to uh, to forget. You know, he forgave because he kept uh, progressing. And then, you know, he answer, he interprets the dreams for the butler and the baker. And he says, now, don't forget me when you get out. And then, it, you know, he had told one, listen, you're not going to get uh, rescued from this. You're going to lose your life. The other one, you will. And don't forget me. He's, oh, yeah. And so it just like he said, there's one he, he gets executed. The other one gets forgiven and promoted. And it says, and after two full years, so, uh, he forgot totally about Joseph. And it's only when Pharaoh has another dream that uh, a dream that troubles him. That he's like, oh, my goodness, there was a guy, there was a guy named Joseph and he could do he, he knows all about dreams. And so he's 30 and he's gone through this just 13 years of consequences of his brother's um, treachery to him. You know, like you just and it was intentional and they were bitter, angry at him being favored. They didn't like, you know, it, it's just clear as can be. And so when they finally, he tells his brothers who he is, you know, it's the whole setup of the story. And they're just scared to death. They're sure he's going to have them put to death or something. And when they start saying their story, he goes, oh, no, 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 you did. He literally says, you didn't do this. God did this because he knew we were going to need my favor here in order oh, to rescue right. you all. And so is my dad alive? Bring him. And he embraces them all and cries over them. And it's like, but the choice to say, no, you didn't do this. God wow. did that wow. list of promotions because he was learning rulership, but with humility and servanthood at every stage for 13 years, literally the, the path that the injustice forced on him prepared him to rule. And he ruled from age 30 to 110. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. For 80 years, he ruled as Oh, he did. I didn't realize it was that long. Wow. Wow. He he was second only to, because it tells you when he's dying, he died at 110 and it's all the, uh, you know, all the favor that he's now provided. He has set up homes and lands and everything for all, all his people, uh, for, you know, Jacob and 70 in his household and more. But. He could still see it's it's part of this perspective of God that you can't you can't hurt me enough with what you do to me. You can't betray me enough. You can't lie about me enough. So good. You can't harm me enough for God not to be able to outdo what, what you did. And so then he's like, no, this wasn't you. He literally says this wasn't you. But that to be able to look at a situation and say, no, that really wasn't them. It was and either say, you know, they were just so hurt themselves because uh, even was as we become adults, you know, we're very harsh on our parents. But as we get older, we're like, you know what? In light of how my parents were raised, they actually did good. There's sort of like some sanity comes to us. We're able to 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 figure out and process things better. But you have that freedom to process things better at he, all times. And he could have used his who, he, who had become his authority to lord it over them, even while he said this, I'm your brother, but, you know, he could have used his his uh, promotions 
But, you know, I was pro processing this a few weeks ago, this very story. And the Lord began to point out to me that um, his father and his 11 brothers were a travel distance away. He was the second most powerful man on the face of the earth. And he had the power to go or send emissaries to his brothers to say, you know, I'm alive. I'm in charge. I'm the boss. Come see. He, he, what, what did he have to do to just avoid doing that? To say, I'll wait till they come. And then, the, you know, who knows what God showed him. But can you imagine what it took to not send emissaries uh, to well, his? It, when you add that to it, it tells us, it doesn't directly say it, but it tells us that he did not believe, he didn't know the fact that his brothers went to his dad and say, Oh, yeah. So he has to doubt his dad is you know, Jacob, he has to doubt that he cares about him because his whole thing is, how come dad never sent anybody to get me? Uh, and so for 13 wow. years, 17 to 30, he has to assume that because his dad had already given him a correction when he was 17. And he's having all these dreams about them bowing down to him. It's like he rebuked him. So he's like, OK, um, he finally he joined my brothers fully. And um, and so, you know, he had to live thinking that the whole family he grew up in had rejected him and preferred wow. him to be a slave or dead or whatever. So there's like there's no more egregious case or situation. Only Jesus has a more uh, egregious, serious yeah. case to consider. But both of them, the most serious cases you can find in the scripture, they chose to say, you know, either they don't know what they're doing or he literally told his brother, you didn't do it. It was God. Now, to say that, that's that's a special touch of the Lord. But we want to have we want to have that uh, wired into our heart and our being. Uh, when I was teaching in our own in our own church about unforgiveness because of all the dangers that come from it and the demonic possession and things is I said, you know, you want to have just like when you're playing Monopoly or, and you have a get out of jail free cards and you like to collect them. I said, just try to start every day with you know, at least one, but try to have two or three um, get out of jail, free forgiveness card. And so you're just ready to use it that day. And so, so good. That's so good. If the situation comes up like, okay, there was one because there's, you know, I've not really heard anybody get more than two in a day of a big, bad. Yeah. You forget. Well, you know, and, and you know, the when Jesus gives what we now call the Lord's prayer, if you use modern vernacular, Jesus taught them to pray, forgive us our sins in the same way we forgive those who sinned against us. We just say, forgive us our sins as we forgive, our, and we, we miss it. He said, For, forgive us our sins in the same way, just as we forgive. I mean, that's a huge instruction, but we miss it. We miss it. It's the measuring cup. Is he's, he's like, you know, whatever you did, I'll forgive it. But you can't be, uh, you know, you, you can't be not forgiving someone else while you're asking for that, for that grace. It's just a spiritual unjust measure, unjust measure. So we, we can't go with that. But so, so clarity is there, Steve. What we're saying is this lady, um, she was living in pain. Her whole body was puffy um, and, and she just carried misery on her. And and she needed, you know, there's two ways she needed to forgive, 
but there was a demon. She needed the demon um, cast out as well. And so that's one of the things that can happen. And and there's a, uh, a couple short other little stories. I remember being called the city of Saposoa, Peru, and there was all kinds of miracles and everything happening. But they called me, says, Johnny, there's a lady dying. Her family's already gathered. Um, they're not even really believers, but they're desperate. So they've asked if you can come um, or at least the dad had, I think it's not even all. So I go to this little house and there's about 20 members of family, distant relatives. And it's they've gathered around because she's it's a woman in her 30s. And when I get there, she's just she's laying down and she's she has the death look on her face. She's. Wow. She's last stages um, and just she can't talk anymore. And um, and so I had something rise up in me. There's a spirit of death. Yeah. And and so. I just um, I couldn't interact with her at, at all, but I said, I'm not allowing you to die right now. There's a spirit of death trying to take you out and you need to agree with me in the name of Jesus. Command you spirit of death to let go of her right now. And without going to the story, within 10 minutes, she's up. And and she went from, she had been sick for a long time, and she was dying. And and again, the family had already accepted she was, uh, they're, they're making arrangements that she's dead. And then um, I checked, and like 20 years later, I don't know if it's 10 or 20 years later when I visited, I was like, how is she? She's still, still doing wow. good in the life. So if you don't cast out a demon... She's dead. If you don't cast out this demon from somebody else, they're in pain and probably headed towards towards death. And then really, since it connects real easily, I think it was on that same trip. Um, we they asked me to pray for a man. We're just going through these towns. And um, and so this what wasn't at, at meetings. And they say there's a man who um, I don't remember some years ago. He just stopped being able to um, to speak, and he's a deaf mute. He can't hear, um, and he can't talk at, at all. And so um, I just come, I feel, and what I often rely on in those situations, there's a presence of the Lord. And so I, I get this, I get a, a feel from the Lord what the situation is. And so, and I'm doing so many one after another, I have no time for uh, frivolity, or even too many other conversations and anything. And I, so I just walk up and I say, demon in the name of Jesus, talk to me. And I tell the, the, the demon. And, and so the demon through the voice of the woman's um, of the man says, um, I can't talk. I'm, I'm mute. And I'm like, you're also the dumbest. <laughs> She, the voice said, I can't talk. I'm <laughs> it was a man. There's a it was kind of a female. That's hilarious. He's giving himself and away. <laughs> and I'm like, I look at the person with me, I go, and uh, you know, there's a deaf and dumb spirit. The other you call it deaf and mute or deaf and dumb. I go, that was a that's a dumb, dumb spirit. Yeah, F emphasis uh, on dumb and stupid. It's like, <laughs> so you can't talk, right? And they realize they've uh and I was like, yeah. And so within two minutes, they're coughing out. And then the man in his voice is is then um, uh, talking and and hearing in short order. So 
there's what happens with casting out demons. And with that one, you know, and even with the other lady, I didn't really have time to go to the inner healing aspect of it. The Lord knows, or sometimes I won't go into situation. Um, well, even on both those, situ- I, the local pastor, I said, you got to have follow-up conversation, how that thing came in, what started it, what opened the door, because that has to be shut. And then with that lady as well, I'm like, you need to have some counsel, find out when that thing started, what happened. Often, and for most people experience was, you don't get rid of the demon until you find that stuff out. But there was um, there was grace um, for it. And perhaps because the Lord knows, I'll, I'll, I'm going to try to be responsible with it as well and yeah. have follow-up come um, afterwards. So anyway, those are... But any other question? I know you had the well, question. Yeah, I have lot. I have lots of questions. Some of my own, and then a list here. Um, I want back on forgiveness. Uh, a few minutes ago, we absolutely left no light between the fact that you have to forgive, you need to give, forgive, you must forgive. Now, there's a whole lot of people that just heard this and said, who are saying, "But my." father sexually abused me. My brother sexually abused me. I was raped. Talk about the difference between forgiveness and hanging around that person. Cause that's what we get a lot. No, that, that actually is very important to you. Yeah. You know that. So part of the deal is, you know, in understanding them part of, you know, you seek to understand um, even extreme violator, or whatever. Again, you find out, it's just the rarest thing ever. A father or whoever is the abuser, you ninety something percent of the time, um, they were it happened to them. So mm. that passing on victimization. And so at some point you realize, you know, wounded people wound people, broken yeah. people break people. And so you're able you're able to uh to do that. But yet if you're in a forgiving someone um does not mean you have to keep hanging around them does not mean you have to keep fellowshipping with them. Um, it, it doesn't mean you can't put a, a, a barrier there. You know, it's easier to, to make uh, the definitive statements we make if it's something just in your past, someone you no longer see. That's what we're talking about. But if it's a situation you're still under, don't allow yourself to continue to be, um, you know, abused. And 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 through that, you, you don't forgive. Like if you're, a, okay, let's get right to it you're you're a wife and your husband beats you and we're not saying you know stay you know forgive him over and over and just stay stay there there is you need to you need to leave that situation you need to come under some pastoral counseling for everything that's that's going on there because of all the crazy things we have some good friends that they they both actually husband and wife used to both um physically uh, they were violent with each other and, and mm. you could say neither one, but especially the wife should not have stayed. Um, and, and they did. And, and that's part of that. They now run a whole ministry for healing marriages. And it's easy to believe for your marriage when you have people like that, because um, they've overcome everything, but it's not appropriate. It's not necessary. And apart from, um, you know, almost a direct order from the Lord, which I don't believe comes, uh, you, you, you need to leave the situation of abuse if it's a, an, a, an ongoing thing. And then that way it's in your past. You can forgive. So uh, I think, is that clear, Steve? I know what you're yeah, trying to say. Yeah, that is clear. In other words, yeah. So let's say you forgive your father who abused you, who, who molested you for years. 
and let's say he even uh, gets rid of the demons, there, there could still be a propensity for him to abuse again. And for that reason, you don't have to have an ongoing relationship. But I may not be saying that quite right, but um, anything else on that? No, that is that is correct. And um, and just another thing, and this might be in a question you were going to ask or not, well, you can let me know. Yeah. I've also taught and we've learned as it relates to forgiveness that forgiveness is, um, you know, it's sometimes something you have to do multiple times depending yeah. on the offense. And so it's not like you just do it once. But let's it's say like it's, it's like it's a process or even a long process. And I've likened it, and I may have said it on a program some time ago. I don't know if I did or not. Uh, might have been one of our programs. But it's like forgiving is sort of like chopping a tree down. And now we oh, don't. I grew up chopping down trees, and so you, you don't. We don't do it that much. But if you think there's an axe, and if you know if you have a tree that's a decent size, it doesn't come down with one. It's like, well, I did it, and the tree don't go down. It won't go down. No, it doesn't. It doesn't work that way. So you have to this and often you have to chip it this way and then chip it up. And the bigger the tree, the more times we had some huge trees on our farm down in Peru, South America. That would take an hour to cut down, you know, just nonstop. It'd be 200 blows of of, of just hitting. Then all of a sudden, one time you hear it, it buckle. Boom, it's like it's going to fall. And it's like, OK, everybody out of the way. And, and the tree comes down. So there's the time you make it buckle and and um, and then it's done or. Uh, you know, uh, or it just might only take two or three times, we'll say, depending on on what the tree is. But I would tell people, as, as if you can still f- feel the animosity there, yeah, even after yeah. you've forgiven, you have you have done what you have to do. But every time the animosity comes back in your mind, hit it again. I forgive, That's good. That's and you good. just you just do that, and and so I know, had I that I had that exact experience, not about a molestation, but although I was as a child, but I'm speaking of uh, a time in the mid eighties where I was utterly betrayed, or at least I felt betrayed by my business mentor. Uh, It doesn't matter if it was real or perceived. The the, the perception becomes reality. Yeah. So the hurt was so deep. um, He was the one human being. I remember walking on the beach on the West coast where he lived at the time. And it's the only person I've ever said, Lord, I hate him. And I said, I've never hated anyone. So anyway, I, I began the process that day by telling the Lord. So uh, I began the free and, and every day for the next three years, every time it came up, I said, I forgive him, Lord. I really forgive him. It took me three years of saying it over and over whenever it came up. And one day it was gone. It was just gone. But it took me three years. Maybe it shouldn't have. No, I don't know what, you know, but you have to do. And here's a test for everybody who's listening. It's here's the question. If I if I were to ask you and you had a piece of paper and ready to write on it, I'll ask the question, who's hurt you? And uh, and so you just think about that. If it if if in under five seconds you've identified who hurt you, you're probably not done forgiving him. Wow. If you if you have if if it takes like and you're, and you're digging after you know seven I don't know the seconds exactly yeah. seven eight ten and like oh oh yeah yeah so and so if it takes you a little while to 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 dis- rediscover and remember then that tells you it's done 
But if it's like that fresh and in, and in under five seconds, I say that's that's the test. If that's really five, good. Yeah. What a what, yeah. what a great test. That's really 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 good. Okay, so I have this question about forgiveness. Uh, there's a scripture, and it depends on the translation of it and all that. But uh, one, in essence, it says, "Whosoever sins, you retain; they are retained. Whosoever sins, you forgive; are forgiven." And some would say, "There's a couple of them, but are forgiven." So, if I take that person, let's say the one I just talked about, and let's and and let's say I said from the heart, I forgive that person. I won't say the name, uh, not that anyone knows it, but. Uh, Whosoever sins you forgive are forgiven. Are they forgiven in heaven the moment I said, does that work or does it mean something else? Well, at least it means at least that your voice of accusation is not brought up before the Lord. And so that at least you have been removed. Like if you're the only person that that person ever offended, um, then there is no other accuser. It's just sort of like it works in the real world is if if nobody presses charges then it's you're not it's not considered having happened you know here the state will pick up some things and 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 say that but um you know i, I know there's different um spiritually legal ways to look at it and consider yeah. it and um uh, i don't i don't know I don't know for sure. I know there's... Well, the, clo the closest more, example here... Okay, i got to ask it this way, because uh, I've asked this for different people over, over the years. Okay, so on the cross, first of all, all the time, the Father answered every single request. Jesus never prayed amiss. Whatever he asked, the Father did. Whatever he... Uh, well, I shouldn't say that, because he didn't take this cut from him, but whatever... You know, whatever. Okay, let me just, I'm, I'll get myself in a hole. On the cross, at one point, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. So since the Father loves the Son, and the Father uh, wants to uh, answer every righteous prayer, did the Father forgive the ones that were killing Jesus at that moment because Jesus asked for it? Seemingly, yes, but we we don't have scripture showing us how that works uh, other than that, than other imagining that we still know that scripture says no man comes to the father except through the son. So even if he forgives them, if if the assumption is, therefore, are they in heaven? Um, I don't believe I, so. I, I think it would have to at least mean he forgave them for that act. Not that, that they not that he forgave all their sins. That's, right. It's just he is removed from the list of accusers. And so though he has the biggest accusations, because if you resist and reject and abuse God in the flesh, then that's as there's no higher level uh, sin you could you could do that. That is, yeah. I think, the proper way. So if people think well, by him saying that that put him in heaven, no. But did they get uh, absolved? From that crime, we'll call that crime from that sin, I believe for sure. Yes. Okay. That's part of when he says he's calls us kings and priests, we are called to be kings and priests. That is our assignment. What is what is a priest can do? 
um, application. A priest can apply the blood. In the Old Testament, it was the blood of lambs and goats and things. And so the sins that you committed are as if you didn't. So there's an atonement made. And, and so that was, you could go on free in life with it. And so if he's made us kings and priests to our God, that's why that between those two types of authority, we are to rule and reign here on earth. The king, as kings, we are, he is the, the head king. So we are the, he is the king of kings. So we're the kings under him. We are to exercise his authority. And it's, you know, not permit the things he's not permitting and to allow and advance the things he is, loose the things on earth that need to be loosed on earth and all that. But then there is a reason to believe that there is no, I've taught that there's no nation on planet earth that already has a judgment uh, upon them that can't be removed. Like, because it's in the scripture. And so we think this is China and this is Russia and the dragon is, you know, those, those theories came out before. There is no such thing as any nation, any people's, that can't have removed off of them whatever sentence of death it says this in scripture elsewhere if even if there has been a prophecy of of wrong uh, of judgment on a situation or a person it can be shifted and changed we know that from the example of of jonah so what we can do as priests we can stand in the gap and say lord my city whether it's your nation your city your neighborhood your family your business we have sinned against you we have uh, um, we have crossed the line and I stand in the gap intercessorily. I stand in the gap and ask that you, and I apply your blood, what Jesus did on the cross that, uh, and I'm as a minister of reconciliation, I stand in the gap and I ask for that sin, not to be charged to whatever my family, my situation, my city, my nation. And so you don't just say things like, ah, there's too many abortions in that nation for God to be able to do anything. no, it just means there's not enough priests because priests cover any number of sins. So that's a whole new way of uh, processing that. Really, really good. Uh, okay. Uh, John Wimber used to teach on, um, I remember him, because I went to the vineyard starting around 84 uh, and, and was that way through not that many years ago. He used to teach on the fact that demons who, who tried to interrupt services, and I'm not, I'm not talking about how, you're referring to a demonstration and you cast it out of one person or something like that. I'm not referring to that, but but he demons would try to interrupt the service through a person or someone would call in the middle of the night and to him and say, you've got to come now. It's two in the morning and he's manifesting and he's all over the place. And, and without trying to quote him exactly, the paraphrased version is, um, I don't answer to their schedule. I'll do what I'll I'll do the right thing, but I'll I'll name the time and the place. So he would, if it was in a church, he would take him to another room, and I think I've heard you refer to that. And if it was in the middle of the night, he'd say, uh, "Set a time tomorrow afternoon. I'll be over." Something like that. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, um, I just I, I I agree with it. You get you know you hear from the Holy Spirit as to how quickly. The situation needs to be um, given attention to. We see that just throughout the life of Jesus, whatever the situation, somebody's dying. He doesn't even uh, he, he doesn't even right. he delays and heals somebody else on the way there. And 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 you know, so Lazarus, Lord, if you had been here, he's like, oh, he's just sleeping anyway. And then <laughs> there's 
you know, other situations. So he always seemed to be, he was late to all kinds, late to all kinds of things, supposedly. And so there is, you know, it's kind of the schedule of the Holy Spirit. So that's, you have to be led by him because, yeah, you don't want demons um, running your schedule and they will learn how to wear you out. If you have an intense schedule, intense time of life ministerially, ministerially, and, and they're stealing from your family and from your sleep, um, you're not going to run out of demons. And so you're not going to cast them out. That's a, just a general principle for us to uh, come in alignment with is he says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So how am I applying that to that? Well, ministerially, there are people who burn out their, themselves, they burn out their families, they burn out the people around them because they're so important and the need is so there and they, they have to respond to every need, all the healing people that, you know, the demand for healing. We have so many of these generals of faith that we've heard stories about throughout their lives. They just burned out early in life because they had an amazing gift, but they just decided they needed to be, uh, you know, Jesus for the whole world. And if even Jesus, if you just read, even, you know, here he is, God in the flesh, and, and he doesn't even start. He's got all the power. For 30 years, he's seen hungry people. He's seen uh, sick people. He's not doing anything about it because it's not time yet. And then for three and a half years, just read through Jesus' ministry and how many times, and Jesus pulled away, and Jesus went into a mountain, and he removed himself, and he's like, and he went to pray. It's like, hey. You're only going to be here three and a half years and you're God. You should spend every second healing, um, healing people. But he didn't he didn't do that. There was a constant pulling away. So his yoke is easy. His burden is light is. Yes, he does have one for you. If you're in ministry, this is for you. So you don't burn out. He does have a yoke for you. It really is for everybody. He has a burden, but it's light. Uh, you cannot good. you cannot be uh, you cannot be Jesus to the whole world by yourself. You have your lane to run. And you can throw yourself into a tremendous uh, imbalance in every way, physically, spiritually, so wise. If you only respond to needs and think, well, the way I know I have to do that is because there there is a need. No, there's always asking the Holy Spirit. You know, I've read either biographies or long articles on both uh, Will, William Branham and Evan Roberts, which, which was, I think, the Welsh Revival. Both of them burned themselves out really, really bad. And it was instructive to me that they thought that as long as they, at least William Branham, Branham, as long as the healing gift was operating morning, noon, and night, he needed to be there for them. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we and we hear that. And we see that when you have a, a, a high anointing, it's just a rare thing to last more than 10 years for sure. Some some just three to five years because the gift, there's going to be a demand put on the gift. Like I said, just I got the word out that, you know, demons. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm used to casting out demons. We've done that a lot. And just the mail that we have gotten, there was a lot of pressure. I've been, uh, you know, pressed by this for 20 years. You've got to make room for me. and You've got to give me an opportunity to be set free. And um, and so. And that's not even really offering in any way to do that. So literally could spend, uh, you know, I could take 20 hours of every 24 hours, probably personally casting out demons from people. There'd be no end just on exposure that we we have already. And we would uh, burn out and it would not be the row. The row I'm called to run 
is is where that happens on the side. You know, it didn't, uh, it wasn't, and, and that's going to be where it's going to be a little out of balance right now. There's going to be some people in some situations, maybe overall the body of Christ is going to go a little overbalanced in deliverance ministry. Um, there really wasn't deliverance ministry. It was the kingdom, the gospel yeah. of the kingdom. You preach good news. You manifest his power. You're healing the sick, but part of healing the sick is your, it's just like the situation. The lady's sick, but she has demons in her. Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com slash give and become a partner today. The guy is deaf mute, but he has a demon in him. And so there is this connection. But what you're actually doing is is not your your purpose is not casting out demons. Your purpose is then being set free. It's just what you have to do on the way towards it. So um, anyway. Apparently it's supposed to be so commonplace that when the disciples rejoiced that demons obeyed them, you know, Jesus' response was, don't, don't rejoice about that. Rejoice that you're saved, basically, to use our vernacular. Rejoice that your names are in the Lamb's Book of Life. So that was always like, are you kidding? Don't rejoice uh, about that. But it was supposed to be commonplace. So how do you know? Um, you may have, the, uh, Johnny, of course, you have the gift of discernment in this area. But how does a person know? And this is one of my questions from a viewer. How do I know if the person just needs healing? They've got, of course, a broken arm. Everyone knows that that's a, a me medical condition. If you don't know that kind of thing, how do you know if what you're dealing with is a demon or demons or a medical issue? Well, there are different there are different levels of of discernment of spirits, and there there are people who again who um, do it all the time. and And I know for me, so again, the common setting for me would be um, on these trips, and there would be you know nightly meetings, and there would be an altar call at the end for healing, whatever. And there's just lots of people. We have a whole team. And, and so there's all kinds of situations. And if, when someone's in front of me in that kind of way, I will, um, there will be something that rises up in me and it will tell me there's a demon there. That's all I know how to say. It will it, not, not just that there's a demon. It's a demon that I'm supposed to deal with. Okay. And, oh, okay. And then, so you I'm, mean there's demons that you'll discern that you're that you're not supposed to deal with? Yeah, I, I'm, I have a situation that comes to mind specifically in the Dominican Republic. I had like there's a demon, but I didn't feel the what it literally is. It's like the authority uh, mm. to deal with it. So I had knowledge, and I told the uh, a pastoral member of that church. I said that is a demon on her but it's um she suffered incest to either her father or stepfather and it needs to be um, she's going to need to be counseled and healing with it it's a big deal so it's not just uh for it to be uh cast out and so you know i, I don't i don't have i didn't go back and check on that but i have those enough but for me that was the sign that i was supposed to deal with something is if the spirit of the lord would rise up in me and say just get rid of get rid of that right now or often you'd say um there's a bunch of them have to be getting gotten rid of so get rid of all the ones the holy spirit is surfacing right now That's and good. then 
the deeper ones can be it can be dug into um you know at, on, at another time by by others so yeah I, I saw a trailer by the movie uh, about the movie you're talking about someone sent me a link to the trailer uh and i think he there was a going from memory now it's a week or two ago and he said and he was very emphatic looked into the camera and said yes demons uh christians can have demons which i do believe and john wimber taught as well that you and i could be walking around if i understand it right and i do i think i understand that we could have demons attached whatever that means they're sitting on your shoulder they're whispering in your but they won't go away and so you're not fully possessed, but you have demons. Can you talk about the issue of Christians having demons and even what that looks like? If they don't know it, everything goes well, they're saying, they would say, there's no way I could have a demon. What's your thought? Well, you know, it's simple. I think you kind of covered it right there. Is, um, I can say both biblically and experientially i have seen that christians can be demonized and by demonized it means at times at moments that um a person's actions and words are taken over by demons and um there's you know the the thought is how can the holy spirit and the demon right by the same area that's well, a big one i will ask that person or ask anybody how does somebody cuss out their neighbor, um, hit their wife, commit adultery, um, steal, and do all the things that Christians do and still have the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit being in there does not mean that you don't have the ability to cross the line in a major way. So and that's, the, that's, that's the whole thing. Well, how, why is it such a, a leap to consider that that's actually a demon oppression on you, in you, um, when you already know you have the capability to violate, you know, uh, holiness. And it's not like everybody's so so holy that that's just the strangest thing imaginable. We all know you can get mad at for a moment. And you're like, where in the world did that come? How did I say say that? You uh, you can cross the line in all kinds of ways. How did I have that thought? Whether it's of a lust, murder, violence, um, unforgiveness, bitterness, whatever. These things come and visit you, even though the Holy Spirit is there. Yeah. And so it's not, but again, there was, you know, I remember the case I was talking about with my dad had to cast out and it took about a, a month of every day. Um, someone, he, he was a, a pastor who uh, got himself possessed by, legion and so oh, wow. there was, um there was demons and and i would go with my dad time to time he was having to be enclosed in this place and um he had been uh, a pastor and he be, became a pastor again after being uh, set free from from the demonic and but just multiple 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 of those again it's not just seeing regular people delivered of demons it's seeing ministers delivered of demons and them being taken over to the point where again for um it was for days and days there was no conversation we couldn't even get to the individual for many days it was only the it was only interaction with the demons like you can just be pressed into oh, wow. so so oppressed that you couldn't get to johnny uh, well let's say you different names matthew <laughs> 
what it is. It's like you're yeah. you're pressed into the re- you're there somewhere, but you can be so demonized, and they just wow. what they do is one opens a door and invites someone else, invite someone else, invite, and to the you know as long as you're in no way stopping it or resisting, uh, so you know they just pile on there there's there's the it's like a fly does there's the first one that finds the garbage and he tells everybody else and they keep uh, coming and and so you can be pushed to the recesses of your own uh of, of your own little soul yeah. and heart but you can you can generally i can find them even when people say no we we, we only talk with the demon they'll you know like it's, it'll be the demonic voices and sounds and everything but i'll command um, the demons to be quiet and I'll ask for a conversation with the oh, person there. And so you'll at times will just be a little frightened voice that comes out from there. Yeah. You know, speaking of Christians uh, having demons, especially when they love God, uh, I, I've told this once on the air. I'll, I'll tell it again. It's a personal disclosure just in, in the interest of teaching other people. So this is 40 years ago, 37, maybe exactly 38. And, uh, I had had an encounter with God about three years earlier. I was on fire for God. I love the Lord. I was in the scriptures. I was listening, learning to hear words of knowledge and learning. And uh, I went to church every every week. Uh, we had just moved into the San Clement area. Um, uh, and I think I'm even going to mention the pastor here that because he, he did a great job. Uh, and I think he's still out there. But uh, so we had just moved to San Clemente. We started going to this church, the Vineyard Church. And we the very first time we went, so we, we were visiting, considering moving there, which we did. And so the pastor uh, didn't know me. Ed Pior uh, was his name. And he said, okay, he was telling his ministry team, everybody pick someone who's visiting or who's who wants to prayer, and you pick them and pray for them. So it was a good ministry time, good normal stuff. And he picked me. And so I thought, oh, you know, but I thought I wasn't too worried about anything. And he came up to me and he prayed for me for a minute and laid his hands, whatever. I don't remember. And and then he said, Steve, look at me. Because I, I, I'm sure I must have told him his name. He said, look at me in the eyes. So I, I looked in his eye and he said, I I cast out the spirit of lust. And he started going after lust like that. Just with a normal voice. And I'm telling you, I was sobbing all of a sudden. My lip was twitching involuntarily, and I was having a deliverance before. I, the thing about uh, Ed Pjork, he used the word of knowledge and his gift to cast out demons, you know. But no one knew. My wife didn't know. No one knew that I was literally consumed with lust during that same time, you know. And it was, uh, and we were we were by the ocean, so we would see. You know, blah blah blah, and uh, I didn't tell anyone, but I would drink in these scenes, and it was a it was a thing with him, but no one else knew except me and Ed and God and the Holy. Anyway, uh, all that to say, you can be in love with the Lord, totally pursuing Him, and have something major that needs casting out. Yeah, and in that, you know, want proper discernment. There is. Just being tempted by something, the fact that you can be tempted doesn't mean you're demonized. Yeah. And and so, and that can be from any one of the appetites of your body, whether it's food, wanting more than that you're supposed to, whatever, or whether it's appetite of uh, sexual appetite, wanting um, more. There is like, there is just, you have to learn to say no, you follow 
uh, his guidelines when they are, are clear and et cetera, et cetera. For all, all your appetites to be tempted is not uh, the sign. But when it's, when it's, there, there's a level of. When it uh, kind of consumes you is the yeah, way it did me. Intrusiveness. And, and knowing yeah. we haven't talked about this, but even knowing your past and how you were abused. Yeah. As a child, that's probably where that's unfortunate part of being abused is through no choice of yourself. You probably have a spirit inserted into you um, from that from that moment, and so it does have to be addressed in that kind of way as a, as a as a demon spirit, even though the sin was against you and not yeah. yours. But you do make room for you know. There's all kinds of instruction on the demonic that is is worth uh, going into. That basically, as you obey uh, a temptation that crosses a line, that's non-biblical, ungodly, or whatever, your obedience to the enemy is what begins, you know, opening the door. So the scripture said, make no place for the devil. Well, you're making a place for him. And if you keep making a place for him, there's a point where he he has residence. Yeah. And when yeah. he has residence, you no longer you no longer feel like you have control over it. Interesting choice of words too that you use. You said when you obey, when you keep obeying uh, the enemy or Satan, uh, that's, uh, you know, I've never, I, I don't know if I've heard it quite like that, but he, he can give orders too if you obey his orders. By the way, when that deliverance had happened uh, and my tears were done and I was finally at peace and we went outside, uh, Johnny, I've never seen the color so beautiful, the tree so green, the flower. I mean, that thing was coloring everything. Uh, in a bad way, and all of a sudden, everything was beautiful. The the scenery was beautiful. So you know, it it had multiple effects on me. You know, so it was amazing. The first that was the first deliverance I'd ever had knowingly, and so it was amazing. I, you know, I don't tell it very often because it's a tad embarrassing. But um, you know, anyone can get trapped. No, it's, yeah. No, it's and it's so good that you're free to to do that because any and everyone can get trapped and we're all human. And so it even says of the Lord, he was tempted in all ways like we are. And so to be tempted does not mean you're demonized. Jesus was never demonized at any point, but we know we see, we saw some of it just in Luke four and Matthew chapter four, when the enemy uh, comes in with Satan after he's weak from fasting and, and, and praying for 40 days, you know, he has these various levels of temptation and even uses scripture on him and is like, Hey, takes him up to high Mount, cast yourself down from him. You know, Psalm 91 says he will give his angels charge over you uh, concerning you. And so you can do this. And then he's like, he knows he's hungry. Hey, the stones, uh, you know, he was appealing to his hunger, trying to go after him there. And so there was, the Lord had to resist him there, but let's say he doesn't resist him when you don't resist um, and, and you cross certain lines, him being the son of God, he could not cross any of those lines at all. He was tested always like us, but he never, he never, uh, he never failed. He never fell. He, he never had to appeal to the cross of Jesus yeah. for repentance, but it was known we would so that there is no such thing as a human that's ever lived that has not needed to appeal to forgiveness and say, you know, I did, I did make way, I did make room for the devil yeah. in that kind of place. We know the Lord, even to his, uh, say his right-hand man, whether it's John or Peter, Peter is get, you know, he recognized, get behind me, Satan, because 
Peter's trying to talk him out of his need for dying. Like, no, you don't need to die. And it's like, well, this is how he's actually going to be the redeemer of the whole earth, the whole world. And so what does Peter know in his processing? You know, he might've just been feeling his spiritual Wheaties of, uh, of whatever. And he's like, you're actually being a tool of the enemy right there. So yeah, if it sounds harsh, the idea of, of demons and, and Christians, just imagine Jesus telling one of the apostles, the chief, one of the chief apostles, Peter, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> yeah, and, and the scripture says he looked intently at Peter when he said that. Just so he wasn't looking at the devil behind him; he was looking at Peter. Okay, I want to ask you one quick question, and then we'll talk talk about the banks for a minute. But uh, what word of caution, or advice, or counsel, or warning would you give any of the above, or none of the? To someone who says, I want to do that. I want to get into deliverance ministry. What would you say to people? Well, the caution is, if you have open doors, then they they will be taken advantage of. You will have more intentional attacks on you, which is no problem if you have all doors closed. And, um, you know, I think in the conversation, you'll hear Kat Kerr talk about the enemy has no access in to her in her yeah. Jesus said the prince of this world has he has no access he has nothing in me because it's an remember, make no place for the enemy if he has a place in you you can't have authority over him and if you do momentarily have authority in some areas over lesser demons it will come back at you so that's that's a caution in other words do not be it's particularly any area of sexual immorality if you're yeah. involved in, in any kind of fornication, adultery, let's make it real clear on those. And and whatever is fornication or adultery, that is not you do not want to be involved and engaged in deliverance ministry. It will come back on you. Um, there will be a counterattack on you. That will be something um, more than you can handle. Yeah. And so those specifically are are the, the strongest sins. But don't try to if you have deep unforgiveness against anything and anybody um, don't try to be involved in it as well. And you want to do so as, as one who has a heart for seeing the captive set free. That wants to, that needs to be your motivation. If you just like to do it only just to, uh, you know, I just want to see demons have pain. Um, That's okay. But you know, Jesus didn't do that because he wanted demons to have pain. He wanted people to be set free. Yeah. Want to you want to purify your motivation? There is just another uh, principle. You know what you focus on, you make room for. And so, if you overfocus on the demonic realm in some way, I've just seen even deliverance ministries in past and years, is they end up having again because they have open doors um, as well. But what you focus on, you make room for in your own life, in your own world, and so you don't. That's why the idea of deliverance ministry, I, I would like set the captives free ministry. And so that's that's the purpose. And we celebrate in in seeing the captives set free. And that becomes our passion to see someone formally, like in my case, wow, these person, this person was sick and in pain and they got set free of a demon. They had to forgive as well. Here's a person, a deaf mute spirit. Um, I ultimately had to dress it as a deaf mute spirit. And and so you cast it out and they can now speak and they can hear 
and and so multiple situations so it's the the good thing is not to go home and like yeah show that demon i mean i you know it can be mixed in somewhere in in, in some kind con- of conversation but your motivation has has to be really well good. that could be part of uh the other part of why jesus said don't rejoice that demons are subject to you you know, he, he ended by saying, rejoice that your name's written, but maybe there's something in the not rejoicing in that they're subject to you, period. I don't know. That's interesting. Well, you know, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. I think there is, even in this particular documentary, they list themselves as demon slayers. And there's a part of, there's a part of that I'm, I'm okay with because we're breaking the fear because there's people under demons. Uh, yeah. and, and there was, there's a part of hey, we're demon slayers. That's part of, that's part of who we are. And, and, and you know, there's people, I well, it's not us. It's Jesus. And, well, it's not, it's, it's, we're empowered by Jesus. These yeah. signs will follow those Let that believe in my name. They will cast out. So it's the right of the believer because you believe in him. Yes. It's, it's, so it's, it's given to you in that kind of way, but he didn't, he didn't do it. It was you who did it. You is even in this situation, I'm telling you, uh, it wasn't just that, you know, I don't say Jesus, would you come and deliver this person? And I don't see that as any kind of model in scripture anywhere at all. I've never heard that. that so, so no, no, you're not instructing people to have false humility. <laughs> oh, it wasn't me. It was the Lord. No, someone compliments you for setting someone free. You go, no, 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 it was the Lord. All glory goes to him. I, you know, yeah, that's what I'm hearing from you. Don't. You are. That is as well. And I know um, there's people concerned. You can apply this to healing as well. People's like, it's not us. It's Jesus that heals. Well, if you invite him into a meeting, he can heal those that are there. But he did also give us assignment. He told his disciples. He told the 70. He said, heal the sick, and he told them to heal the sick. He did not say, invite me to come in and heal the sick. He said, you heal the sick. And so Peter and John, when they're in the temple and they're being asked for money, there's Peter like, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I you, give I you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he jumped up. He didn't, but you notice the ownership. I give you what I do have. I don't have money. I do have healing. I have it. It operates in me and I use what I was given. And so there's the authority of the believer we step into for healing. There's the authority of the believer we step into for casting out demons. And we're like, I do have this. It's because I'm in alignment with him. He's the king of kings. I'm a king that operates under him. I operate in alignment with the kingdom, but I am giving you what was given me because that's the whole thing. He told his disciples, go and wait in the upper room. I've discipled you. For three and a half years, if all they ever needed to do was invite Jesus into the situation, there's no need to get empowered by the Holy Spirit. But he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So we actually receive power from the Holy Spirit and that power empowers us. And so that's why, again, because people don't understand that there is, I was sharing last week, even casting out demons, there's more, we we uh, we prefer the pile up approach, four or five people casting yeah. out yeah, we feel a little bolder and braver and safety and in numbers kind of thing. You know, I feel safer because there's a Yeah, I'm letting them know I have authority over you. I was given it by the Lord and I've operated this enough that I have confidence in it. And so you can go now because here's something else you're, you're asking what's something you should know. 
It could be totally of God that he's calling you to be a deliverance person, individual. And here's here's what you should know. You will be challenged. Um, you will be challenged. And they will, they, you know, there, there will be a who do you think you are uh, early on in the process of you trying to cast out demons? They'll send the big ones after you, I'm guessing. Well, it's so here's the deal. This quick story is great. Yeah. So I had I, I was uh, getting the rest of my team more involved in casting out the demons. And I was like, I'll do the big ones, but I want you to learn to. And, and I, I was progressively going into I need you to learn. And there was particularly a right hand man. Um, and I said, I need you to be on this one. You need to be when they're calling me. I want you to start doing it. It's like, wow. yeah, go, yes, you can do it. I said, you're going to be challenged. I said, even if you have to fake it, fake your confidence, do whatever, have it. Do not back off. And it's really not faking it. But you can tell yourself, well, I don't feel you can you can do it, not really feel it. Um, but it's authority has been given you. And so he had a. A, a situation where, you know, he had, a, um, a, I think, a whole bit out of um, his pant legs from one that was like, no, no, I'm not going. And it was a challenging of him. Who are you? And um, and so but he stayed in there and I command you, I'm taking authority over. And he and, you know, it was fight or flight for him. It was like either take off uh, running because he'd been called out kind of by this demon. But he insisted and stayed and then he, he became our, our he became our demon specialist. It was like he was that one battle he got under his belt was a tough one. And then he was um, we would be on trips and there would be they would call me and he go I got it I go thank you. So he would be the one. Um, awesome. So you just you just insist. It does you good though because it it tells you you have authority over the does demonic the demonic realm no. Okay, so let's say this, I, I, you know, I'm from Oregon. If that happened to me and I took on and succeeded uh, that, that particular situation, if I go to D.C., does the demonic realm know I already won over here so that you know, I have more authority kind of thing? Yeah. They know your victories. They, they do. Still, they may challenge you because they're liars. You go like, oh, that may have worked over there. It's not over here. And if they can convince you, just remember they're they're all they're liars. They operate in lies. And um, but if you can superimpose and just say, I am a minister of the king of kings. This whole earth is his domain and I carry his presence, his anointing. You are illegally operating here. And I'm telling you that. And you're going like you just and but you want to learn how to even as I'm speaking, I feel the Holy Spirit rising. You want to learn how to allow the Holy Spirit to rise up with you in that aggression and not just because you're a, you can switch into type A personality mode. And so that, that, that can be, you know, those sons of Sceva that got chased down and stripped of their clothes by the demon possessed. They, they were trying to cast out demons of somebody and, and they got, it went, it didn't go well with them. They're trying so to use their natural. You said, you said you don't have to feel it. You could fake it. But I, what I'm also now hearing is, it helps to feel it, is what, for lack of a better terminology, you just felt the spirit rise up in you. So it helped, it can help to feel it, right? Yeah, and faking is not the right word. It's yeah. mind over, there's a mind over matter. It's like, yeah. it's legally true. You have authority over the demonic. And so, because 
the lies that will come at you, self-doubt or from the enemy is like, you, you, I don't, I don't feel confident. It's because it's anything you haven't done very often, you don't feel very confident or it's easy not to feel confident. And you're like, you don't really have authority. They're challenging because you don't have authority. I go, if you have to fake it, you do have authority. Wow. And they'll, so it's it's more I'm planting a seed in his mind, even if you have to fake it. It's 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 like it's just legally true. You have authority. You stand in the truth um, of what you know, and that's authority. These signs will follow them that believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will do these things. And so if you, you it didn't say if you feel it rising up in you. No, that's just once you get rid of kind of the mind games, there's the early mind games when you when you begin to work in the healing and deliverance and all yeah. that kind of the enemy comes at you. But when he knows he doesn't, then you can now just be sensitive to the spirit. Then you begin to you begin to know just the difference of when it's time to show more aggression or or more tenderness. Uh, and I feel we're going into a wind up time here. But this is important that. In casting out demons, we want to, you know, the problem with the aggressive personality there, that you can you can harm an individual while freeing them from. Oh yeah. And so, if you embarrass them in front of people, they'll oh, still yeah. for the embarrassment. So I give the example of sort of, you know, even when you go to doctors, it's like they try to, uh, you know, make you feel as comfortable as possible. And 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 protect your dignity. And and even if even if those little uh, whatever those robes you wear don't seem like much dignity, it's it's, you know, try to protect your your nobility and your dignity. And and then even giving you, you know, pain medicine so you don't feel it. There is they're doing something, uh, you know, very serious. Say they're removing a tumor or a cancer or something. And they're actually going in your body and, and cutting something out and removing it. But the whole process is surrounded with them protecting your 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 dignity. And and um, you can imagine if they called in 50 students um, there and they just like, get your clothes off. We're going to get in like, so you have no clothes on. They just do it and they talk about everything. And, 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 and it's like, so they actually freed you from the tumor, but then you you know, you're injured for the rest of your life or whatever from the uh, humiliation. Oh, yeah. yeah. So people have operated in deliverance ministry doing that very same thing where they'll call someone out. They'll tell them how the demon got in there. You're watching so much pornography that you did this and that and the other. And and, and there's a demon. And so they cast the demon out and even throws up and they made the point. The person never that person, that type of situation it's going to be plus 90%. That person will never come back into that church, maybe never back wow. into the church. Yeah. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. You're actually right about what you're saying, but you did it so crudely. You didn't operate as a doctor. Yeah, I remember it as a doctor of, uh, of deliverance. Uh, when you're doing so you protect you protect at this time it had to be 35 years ago and i was in a home group and we were all praying for each other and it's my turn to get prayed for by the whole group and i i don't remember what it was about and it wasn't technically a deliverance or anything like that it was just you pray for me for whatever i requested this one young woman at the time because we were all young 
he started saying, I, I, you know, I cast out this spirit of pride and, and, and I was so wounded. I, I oh. didn't know if I had pride. I didn't think I had pride, but maybe I did have pride. But I, that, shut me, I, or I, that shut me down or I allowed that to shut me down for about 10 years. I thought if I if I haven't full of pride, I'm not going anywhere, you know. Steve, that's so good that you're willing to share that because even the story you told us just a few minutes ago about the person that confronted you and said there's a lust. lust. If he had done that in a church setting, that would have been inappropriate. See? Yeah. It's it's one thing if you're alone with him and there's yeah. uh, able to maintain dignity dignity there because Think of it that way. Think of the, you know, just in the ways I was telling you of, of how you can devastate someone in a, in a hospital situation by uh, by making the experience of the surgery. Because in a way, deliverance is like spiritual surgery. And so you want to be able to give this person, um, uh, surround them with enough dignity. And so that that's where that's the only where this thing can go off the rails yeah. a little bit. And, and where even the people and, and you'll know, you know, if you're involved in deliverance ministry, if, if people don't come back after they're set free, it means, yeah, you you set them free of a demon, but then yeah. wounded their soul in some yeah. way, their reputation. They're never going to show back up in that crowd. It's like he everybody there that I struggled with with so and so I can't, I, you know, it takes a unique individual to be able to uh, own that that conversation that happened yeah. in front of masses and you do it in front of TV or whatever on, you know, that kind of situation. So those are things you were asking, you know, things to, to know about if you're getting involved in the deliverance totally. ministry, you feel called to it. Those are some guidelines that'll be very helpful. I, I, one last thing I remember Jill Austin years and years ago teaching about, she told a story about, she was telling people, talking to people kind of like what you are now, about how to minister. And she said, she said, there was one time I saw this slimy green thing, which green thing normally is demonic, but she said, I saw this slimy green snake-like thing. And so I I prayed for the person, I says, and I removed that thing from you. And she says, later the person said, What is that? What what do you mean? What was that thing? And she says, It doesn't matter. And that was it. No, no slime. No, you had a snake. No, she just removed it, you know. So, well, let me ask you about uh, today's news. Not that we normally cover news, but there's there's apparently some banks where people are lining up to get their cash. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, and and I'm just going to read a scripture on that, Steve. I actually okay. have, if that was the direction the Holy Spirit had taken us, I have a whole oh, wow. message for yeah. that and 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 very likely maybe a week from now we'll have a better idea of where we're at yeah um we could be easily in a in a in a rapidly developing situation where you know the the collapse of banks just changes life as we know it yeah and um and that's okay um because you know in short we've we've known that if if you're going to, because that's the promise the Lord gave me about five years ago in a vision is like, Johnny, I'm about to remove the world's mafia. Then you showed me the top of the seven mountains. Well, you don't remove the world's mafia without removing their monetary system. 
And, but I've also felt like he said in the midst of doing that, that he was going to be protecting his people and, and just people in general. That's just the way he does it. So it doesn't mean there won't be some pain, but I don't, I don't believe that what he has for us is an absolute devastation of the world economy where, you know, it's just worse case scenarios all across the board. I believe we're going to see him do this amazing thing. Even my book, I think uh, the end of the world as we know it from three years ago, I said, there's going to be something where he does sort of like this extreme remodeling where, you know, he blows up certain areas of the house while he repairs it rather than, you know, there's two ways you either come in and just blow up the whole house and, and, and then you start from scratch, but where there's, there's sort of like different areas and rooms that have to be redone. And um, we do have to connect to a new type of economy in order for us to step into, for instance, Isaiah 61 call to rebuild ruined cities and where the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us with enough presence and glory, but also finances. And so we're in the process of that transition and um, in, you know, all the steps, how they will go, we don't know. So in light of that, here's a verse I'll leave everyone with. And then um, next week, um, likely, depending on where things are, I'll pick up. It might even have more resonance then after. Uh, so I won't talk into situations that no. haven't happened. Um, but I'm, I'm ready to address even more serious situations. But this is some First uh, Timothy. Um, oh, my goodness. I thought I had it open there. It's. Uh, the Apostle Paul, there it is right here, writing the book of Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, and I'm just going to read 17, 18, and 19. This is a good one for those who are very worried. I know we get some people, I'm, I know there's some on right now who have a significant amount of resources, and and there is high concern. And, you know, the good thing, people that don't very have many resources at all, they're not that concerned at all um they don't know there's kind of ripple effect that eventually gets to them as well but it says this command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty not to trust in uncertain riches but in the living god who gives us richly all things to enjoy let them do good work let them do good they be rich in good works ready to give willing to share storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So those who are rich in this present age, remember not to trust in uncertain riches. The reason they're called uncertain riches is because the only thing that is certain is our Jehovah, who is Jehovah Jireh. He's he's the source there and the same one that, um, uh, you know, built whatever... uh, whatever amount of wealth you have acquired at this time, he has ability anywhere to protect it, rebuild, but it's him. It's him. You want, you want the, the trust, you want your most high trust account to be built. And this, there's no other opportunity like right now. And, and, and we may, depending on what takes place over the next hours and days, um, we may have the best chance that we'll ever have. We don't want to waste an opportunity to to build up our most high trust account. And that's our account of trusting in the most high and he who is the source of all all wealth. And so there are there are moments that shake that shake us. And we and we, we have to be reminded 
that it is not whatever we have in our bank account or stocks or any other kind of asset is not what gives us security, is not what gives us confidence in life, that that comes from who we serve, that God, and that's his nature to watch over his sons and daughters and those who look to him. You know, read Psalms if you need to be encouraged this week and follow David. He'll talk over and over about the man who puts his trust in the Lord. So put your trust in him. So how do you put your trust? You say, I trust you. You tell him, I trust you. I'm a little, I'm not sure what to do. There's, you know, I'm not, I don't have great wisdom to give people now or Monday as to, well, put your money here. It'll be safe. This crypto will be that. I, I have none of those. I don't expect to get any on those at, as well. Cause I think it's supposed to be very individualized, very much your relationship with the Holy spirit, but your confidence is in him that even if we face a whole um, a new day of n- a new way of operating that, that we can do so because um, of who he is. Yeah. So good. So good. Uh, Johnny, would you go ahead and pray for the people as we close out this? That would be awesome. Yes. And um forget what I was going to remind people of. Oh well, yeah. If, if there's anything uh, about your ministry, restore seven, uh, the show that Elizabeth does, anything, remind people of that. Uh, yeah, check on restore7.org, uh, and, and there's up for discussion. Elizabeth and I have been having some great interviews with some people there, and then she has her Choose Love, and that's also something great there. And we haven't forgotten about, we are planning to kick off our Rise Tour of the States beginning in um, in, in this June, and we'll start here in Tennessee. And um, we, we know we've received many invitations. We still would like, we have um, a, a still a, a bunch of the 50 states that we don't have. Even we'll say the invitations, and but it will tell you on our website there towards the Rise Tour what kind of, what you have to have. It's not just a desire to invite us, but, you know, can you can you be a part of, uh, yeah. have you done this before? Can you host a crowd, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so there's, there's the questions that are there. And then they're letting me know that that, um, the Oscars, everything, the movie, everything, everywhere, all at once, actually won seven awards. That stood out to me, seven, the number of God. So everything, everywhere, all at once, kingdom of God, breakthrough. We're, we're encouraged by the movie Jesus, uh, um, the Jesus Revolution, and now come out in the name of Jesus, the various outpourings that are taking place. So he knows, we know he's on the scene. You know, if he wasn't showing up, in those kind of uh, on the scene, we could think with the testings and trials we're going through and, and the mafia trying to um, put us under their foot and yeah. bring us under a whole new bondage of, uh, you know, world economic bondage that we can say, where's God, where's God. But he's clearly showcasing to us that he's on the scene, he's around. And so just know he's on the scene and he's, and he's around. And um, so Lord, we just thank you for mm. what you're doing um, on planet earth. We thank you. And just even now, as you so sense your handiwork uh, in everything that is taking place and your sovereignty and your handiwork and your allowance and and you working with your sons and daughters. You are listening to your sons and daughters and you have thousands upon thousands, both in this nation and around the world that understand your heart really as as no time in history, really. Um, the number of sons and daughters that understand your heart and what you're doing. And so. You're working with us, but you have a sovereign plan as well as you transition us into this age of, of the kingdom. Um, it's, it's been the age 
availability, but you have raised your gavel and you have said, there has been a decree on behalf of my saints. It's time for my saints to begin to possess the kingdom and to reveal this kingdom on earth. And it involves also the carrying of the carrying of much resource, much yes, fight. Lord. So there is a whole transition that we're going through it, that we're advancing through as, as part of this. And you really are raising up in Isaiah 61 people, those, the, those who carry the spirit of the sovereign Lord, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us. He's anointed us to preach the good news, but it's the good news of you're set free, you're set yes, free Lord. from your restrictions, your limitations from human trafficking and you are anointing us with presence and power and finances, Lord, to rebuild ruined cities, to restore yes, generations Lord. of ruin that have taken place. And we thank you that that is the reality of this moment, this day. Lord, release your strength, Holy Spirit, into your sons and daughters. And uh, thank you, Lord, for assisting those who are desiring to be set free from the demons that have plagued them. And um, in any way that... Uh, it is on you who are listening right now, and you're like, I need to be set free, and you know the name of that spirit. Say it up in the air now, wherever you're at, and in the name of Jesus, go. I release whatever authority that is on me to combine with the authority that is in you for the demonic oppression that's been on you to be lifted off now in the name of Jesus. And thank you, Lord, for that. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you, Johnny. Very, very, very good. Very rich teaching. So uh, God bless you. Okay, tomorrow we have Yvonne Atiyah. She's got an amazing word for Mark, so do not miss that. Everybody have a great day, and we will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.